sub series. Oh, wow. Look around. Uh, th- there you are. Welcome back. The fact that you're here lets me know that you came to get the information. And I'm going to give you this is part four of the sub series. So, what are we going to talk about? Where do you place the sub? Hmm. What are the different sizes that you select? Hmm. You want to learn something today? Let's go! This is our version of Tech News with your host, Prentice Thompson. Have you ever wondered, how do I mic a drum set or what about getting audio to my live stream? We're here for you. This is tech news, new product reviews, and everything you need to know about what you need to know. Welcome to Welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast, Midweek Service. I'm your humble host, Mr. Prentice Thompson. What we do every week, product training, product reviews, everything you need to know about what you need, what you need to know to make your service amazing every Sunday. So we're in part four, the final section of the sub-series, and we're talking about subs in a very different way so that you can basically understand why and how to use them. And before we get started, what I want you to do is this. Like, subscribe, review, share it. Um, unfortunately, this will not be on YouTube and next series will. So like, subscribe, review, and send it out to someone that may need to have some different understanding about subwoofer. So how do you correctly, correctly place a subwoofer in a room? Well, the first thing, like last, last week we spoke about the cardioid sub, which is directional. I'm going to take, take a deeper dive into the radiation of the sub. So let's remember that sound propagates differently depending on the frequencies. What does that mean? The lower the frequencies, the di- I'm going to say the kind of the novice term, the different, the wider the spread of the sound, basically for the low frequencies. A subwoofer only generates low frequencies, typically well below 200 hertz of all types of subwoofer designs. So what does that mean? Well, we spoke last week about the cardioid and how it's really get a, a great, great, great tool to have if you're placing it in a wall or in a corner because it's no, it's no reverberation from the rear of the, of the, um, the cabinet. Very low frequencies, since they are not directional, they, they radiate from the sides and the back of the speaker as well as from the front. So if you place a sub against a wall, the rear sound provocates back to the front of the room. What what does that mean? It means it bounces back, it rumbles back, and it becomes basically uncontrollable. And you can really gain about 6 dB a gain if you were to set a sub in the corner that's not a, a cardioid sub. So... Understanding that 
there are only two types that cardioid in your in your normal sub it has to say cardioid for it to be cardioid second thing is this how do you know how many subs you need I work by this rule I'd rather have more subs than I need because then I can fill the room up the way I want the worst thing in the world is to have a lot of tops, 15s and 12s, and say you have four, say you have four 15s or four 12s on each side, and you have a, a single 18. That's not going to be enough base to you to balance the sound out the way you like. I would prefer to have four 18s along with those tops. Now. Because I mix, when I mix, I do aux mixing. Mean, means that I will feed the subwoofers into an auxiliary channel of the mixer and then just feed, feed it the low frequency of the mix that I'm sending. Normally kick drum, um, bass guitar, um, some piano, anything that has a lower frequency under 100 hertz. Voices, no. Guitars, no. Percussion, no. Snare drum? No. Overhead drums? No. Only things with low frequency. This allows you to have more control. So what does that mean? If I have a, if I have 18s and I'm able to feed it as hard as I'd like, I'll have more boom in the room and I'll be able to control it if I need to dial it back. If you're going through a drive rack, I think in our second in our second series we spoke about drive rack and crossovers, which is which is really the safest way to do it, actually, um, because it, it it will it will keep a a, a a monicum of balance is the best way to put it for your novice out there. Me personally, I like to control the low frequency because I want to be able to to, to radiate it the way I want to. What are the different sizes and subs? Now, the, the smallest sub you, you want to have is a 15. But I've seen 21-inch subs, I know. And if you walk by them, you know, it'll, it'll radiate your intestines and you have to go to the bathroom. Joke, but so serious. So, if you're matching your subs, you want to have more than you need. Because when the time comes when people get in the room and people absorb sound, you want to have more to give them with volume. You want to have more volume than you need. The worst thing, the worst thing you can have is people can't hear it in the back or they can't feel it in the back. You want people to feel it from the front to the rear in an even way. All right, so understanding that placement, you, you, you normally want your subs directly in front of your audience. Um, there's been times that I set them in the sides. There's been times I've, I've done that um, because of the way the low frequencies resonate on with the subwoofer is 360 degrees. But you do have you do have most of your energy coming from the very front of, of, of the cone. So I hope you learned something today. I hope you have a better understanding of how to use subs and how to match them. I think because I get a lot of questions and normally the question is, do I really need a sub? And then, yeah, I'll, I'll normally say like, why don't you think you need one? Unless you're just doing, you're not doing any music and it's just 
voices, meaning not not singing, mostly speaking, then I would probably say, no, you don't need a sub. But if you're doing any type of music that has low frequency, I'm going to say any type of music, then I would definitely make sure you got a sub. And do you want to make sure if you have a passive sub that you're matching the wattage to the sub? The last thing you need is to have a passive sub that's 900 watts and your amp is 500 watts because you can think you can buy any amp with it. You want to have at least one third of headroom from the amplifier that you purchase for a passive sub. What do I mean by that? If the sub is a thousand watts, you want your amp to be 1500 because you have continuous power and you have peak power. Peak power is when it hits abruptly. Continuous power is the is the is the volume it needs to keep to main, to maintain its consistency. So if you're matching a passive sub to a passive to a pa a passive sub to an amplifier, you want to make sure you have one third more volume. If you have a 500 watt sub, you want 800 watts of power. You want to have enough headroom so that you don't have to turn the amp all the way up and fry your amp. So. There are two ways to do this. You can have a you can have a woofer that's requiring more power that can't that you can't give, or amp that has too much power for for the speaker. Either way, something's going to get blown up and fried. So make sure you match them so that you get the best the best presentation possible for your church. So there you have it. Part four of the sub series. Like, subscribe, review. I really enjoy doing this. I really appreciate anyone that's taking the time out of your day to listen to me. I, 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 I really, really, really appreciate it. So I want to say like I always say, I will see you in the Matrix.